Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Good to see you all for tonight's episode of Times of Impartation. God bless you all for being here. And God bless anybody who is watching online. Those who are watching presently as I speak, those who will watch later on. Now, I believe that God is able to touch you whatever time you log in, whatever time you join in this service, if you are open and receptive to what he is doing. And I believe that we are going to be blessed tonight. Lift up your hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We worship you. Just commune with God right now. Commune with Him. Commune with Him. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We worship you tonight. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are my desire. No one else will do Mm-mm. Nothing else can take your place Just to feel the warmth of your embrace Help me find a way Lord, bring me back to you. Oh, 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 you're all I want. Somebody tell the Lord, you're all I've ever needed. You're You're all 
And sing it one more time. Oh, 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 you're all I ever needed. You're all I ever needed. You're all that I want. Help me know. Help me know you were near. That you and me help me know you are always right beside me. Help me know, help me know you are. You promised you will never leave me, never forsake me. Yes, you're very present, help in the time of need. Help me know that you are near. Help me know you are near. Thank you, Father, that you are not a God who is far, but a God who is near. You are the one who sticks closer than a brother. And we thank you, Father that you're present here because we've gathered here in your name and in your presence. Tonight, as we continue our journey into your word to understand deep things in your word, I pray that you will grant us understanding, grant us receptive hearts, May we not struggle with receiving the truth of your word. May we not resist the entrance of your word. May we not oppose your word as it comes forth. Even if it makes us uncomfortable at certain points. Let us understand that as the light of your word shines through to us. Our lives become better and more refined. And we become closer to you. And we attain more of the glory of Christ Jesus. Lift us from where we are to a higher level of glory tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. Hallelujah. God bless you all and you may be seated. We want to continue sharing about discipleship and I want you to turn with me to... Um, Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. Luke 14, 25, verse 25 to verse 33. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, Hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. 
Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who will begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, that's the person. There's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. Verse 33. Can we read it together? Ready, go. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Hallelujah. Amen. Wonderful. We thank the Lord. Now, Jesus here was essentially speaking about discipleship. And I have made it clear to you that discipleship is the process of making someone a disciple of Jesus Christ. Is that not so? And the word disciple in the New Testament is from the Greek word mathetis, which means learner, student, or follower. And if we go deeper into who a disciple is, a disciple is anyone who has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and has pledged his or her life and devotion to him. A disciple is anyone who sets out as a life goal to follow Jesus completely and to pay the price to become like him. A disciple is anyone whose life is centered around Jesus Christ and the focus is to love him, to obey his commandments and to carry out his mission. Hallelujah. So this is who a disciple is. And it is when you go through the process of becoming a disciple that we say that you are being discipled or you are going through discipleship. Amen. Discipleship. And we are interested in knowing what does discipleship really entail? What is required for us to be truly the disciples of Jesus Christ? I've explained to you in the earlier teachings that really salvation is about becoming a disciple. That is why in the Bible, the believers of that time, the believers of the early church, they were commonly referred to as disciples. 
you will therefore find out that the word disciple is used 269 times in the Bible. But the word Christian is used only three times. And really being a disciple and being a Christian is one and the same thing. It is an error to distinguish between the two. And every one of us has been called to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. It is important for us to understand this and to grasp this truth and this reality. So that we can position ourselves aright to become what Jesus has called us to become. Can I have an amen? And so, discipleship will require a number of things. And what I'm sharing with you is based on what we read in Luke chapter 14, verse 25 to 33. Or is it verse 23 to 33? 25 to 33. All right. I told you last week that discipleship requires that you count the cost of discipleship. Tell your neighbor, count the cost. Oh, tell another person, count the cost. Which raises the question of what does it mean to count the cost? To count the cost means to assess yourself whether you have what it takes to achieve the said goal or objective. And since we are talking about discipleship, if you are counting the cost of discipleship, you are assessing yourself. Do I have what it takes to become a disciple? That's what it means to count the cost. Number two, to count the cost means you must recognize and accept that what lies ahead is not going to be easy. You want to be a disciple? You want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? You want to be his student? you must in counting the cost recognize and accept that what lies ahead is not going to be easy. To count the cost means to recognize and accept the fact that you are going to meet difficult situations and circumstances and so you must psych yourself for them. Hallelujah. And to count the cost means you must understand the costly nature of discipleship and to make a calculated choice to follow Christ in spite of this. Ladies and gentlemen, to become a disciple of Jesus Christ is going to cost you and there's a price to pay. Now, salvation itself is a gift from God. But it is not a gift easy to maintain. And that is why Paul told the church in Philippi, work out your own salvation with trembling and fear. Why with trembling and fear? Because it is something you can lose. And if you lose God, you will lose it and you will fall away. And when you read the story of the church, the early church, you discover that to be the disciples of Jesus Christ, it really cost them a lot. Many years ago, in the 17th, 
or maybe even earlier than that, centuries, we had people bringing the gospel to us. They came from different parts of the world. Some came from Switzerland. Some came from Germany. Some came from Scotland. Some came from Britain. And they came seeking to honor Jesus Christ. Now some people feel that they just came because of the slave trade. You know, but there's a need to make a distinction between the slave masters and the missionaries whose only purpose was to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to us. Many of them died and they lost their lives. And when they died, those who were alive found a way to send a message back that send more. In those days, there was really no cure, no orthodox medication for malaria. And that was what killed quite a number of them. They only started surviving when they made their way to higher ground, the Krapim Range and all these other places where you don't find a lot of mosquitoes. So if you are tired of the mosquitoes that have been disturbing your life, go and live up the mountains. Your problems will be solved. If that is your only problem in life. But it was not easy for them. And for the gospel to come to us, people lost their lives. But they did not relent. And they didn't give up. Because they had counted the cost. There were some people who were killed because they were disciples of Jesus. Some were burnt alive. Some were beheaded. Others were crucified. Others were thrown to the lions. Others had boiling oil poured on them. And when you read the story of the early Christians, they went to their death singing and praising the name of Jesus. And they had counted the cost of becoming disciples. There's a song I used to lead. Um, F. I have heard how Christians long ago they were brought before the tyrant's throne. They were told that he would spare their lives if the world renounce the name of Christ but one by one they chose to die the son of God they would not deny 
And like a great angelic choir sings, I can almost hear their voices ring. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength. With all I am, I will seek to honor His commands. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And there's a second verse that says this. Now the years have come and the years have gone but the cause of Jesus it still goes on. Now listen to this. And now our time has come to count the cost to reject this world to praise the cross and one by one let us live our lives for the one who died just to give us life till the trumpet sounds on the final day let us proudly stand and boldly say, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb oh, yeah. with all my strength and with all my arm, and I will seek to honor his commands I pledge allegiance to the Lord. Sing it again. I pledge allegiance to, to the land with all my with all I am said I will seek to honor Oh yes, I will seek to honor His commands. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Hallelujah. And that's what it is to become a disciple. You pledge your devotion, your commitment, your life, and your all to Christ Jesus. And if you say you want to be a disciple, you got to count the cost. You know, there are dangerous things that people do in this life. And I can imagine that they count the cost before they do them. 
there are people who decide to walk across the Sahara Desert to make it to Europe. I can show you the way. <laughs> Just go to Tunisia and Morocco and those areas. Then you connect from there through the Sahara Desert. It's a very dangerous trip. And every day they embark on that journey. There are those also who prefer to go by sea. That one will bring you to a place called Sicily around Italy. That one too, I can show you the way. And some get into very tiny boats. Many don't make it. They die. I don't think that they just got up one day and said that I'm going on. They must have counted the cost. And they knew that they could lose their lives. But they still took the chance. Hallelujah. People are able to lay their lives down for all kinds of interesting causes. Why should it therefore be a strange thing for us to give our lives to Jesus Christ and to determine that we will be his disciples and that nothing will deter us and nothing will stop us from serving him and following him. I pray for us as we listen to these words and I've been sharing for the past two weeks. This is the third in the series. My prayer for all of us is that it will stir up something in the inside of us and a certain determination that we will commit our lives to becoming the disciples of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. And let everybody say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. <laughs> now, if we assess ourselves honestly and sincerely, we may actually discover that by our own selves, by our own strength and might, we are not likely to make it. And that is why God has promised us that he's going to be with us. That is why he's given his spirit to us. And that is why he's assured us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So although we are supposed to work out our own salvation with trembling and fear, we must understand that it is God who is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Can I have an amen from somebody? So the first thing that discipleship requires is that we must count the cost. Number two, discipleship requires that our love for Christ must be so intense that our love for everybody else, even ourselves, will feel like hatred. <laughs> I'll say it again. Discipleship requires that our love for Christ must be so intense. That means it must be so strong and deep that our love for everybody else, even ourselves, 
will feel like hatred. I'll explain it. Look at verse 26 of Luke 14 again. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. It's a very strong word that is being used here. Hate. And is Jesus actually calling us to hatred? Because the Bible also makes us to understand that anybody who hates his brother is a murderer. That means there's no difference between a murderer and somebody who hates another person. So anytime you cannot forgive people and you bear grudges against them and you want something bad to happen to them, note that you have joined murderers and you are in a bad company. And that is why we must try very hard, even desperately, to release people and forgive them when they hurt us and when they do anything bad against us. I pray that we'll be able to eliminate bitterness, wrath, grudges, and anger from our hearts. Otherwise, we are in danger. Are you understanding what I'm saying to you? Yeah. Now, over here in this verse, Jesus says that you cannot be my disciple. And then he talks about the fact that if you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. So the key word there is comparison. Comparison. So, since he's talking about hatred, it means that there is an element of love in there somewhere. So, the comparison here is this. That discipleship requires that our love for Christ should be so strong and intense that if we compare it with how we love anybody else in our lives, and if we compare it to how we even love ourselves, the love we have for others and the love we have for ourselves will feel like hatred when you match it against the love that we have for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You know that you can love somebody more than you love another person. Is that not so? Yes. And sometimes you can love somebody very deeply and it's so strong that what you even have for others it looks very negligible. And to be a disciple, discipleship will require that the love that we have for Christ must be so intense that what we have, the love we have for everybody else, should even feel like hatred. That's what Jesus was saying. This same verse from the Good News Translation, it says, those who come to me, Luke fourteen twenty six from the Good News Bible, those who come to me cannot be my disciples. 
unless they love me more than they love father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and themselves as well. Hallelujah. So that is what discipleship requires. You must love Jesus. How many of you love Jesus? And you sing about it. Is that not so? Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Beautiful song. But the question is how deep and how intense is that love? That is what will make us identify you as a disciple. And that love for Jesus must be so intense, must be so strong, must be so deep, must be so passionate that the love you have for others and even for yourself will not come anywhere near it. Such that if you look at the love you have for others and the love you have for yourself, it should feel like hatred. That's how it should feel. It should feel like hatred. So don't tell me that this scripture is advising us to hate our fathers and our mothers and our brothers and our sisters. And you see, people use scriptures like this to control others. And to get them to do what they want. And you can use scriptures like this to manipulate people. Understand that what Jesus was talking about was in relation to him. And that your love for your savior, our love for our savior, the one who gave his all for us must be so intense and strong that nobody should be able to come between us and him. Because if anybody is able to come between us and Christ, it means that the love we have for that person is more than the love that we have for Christ. And that is what discipleship requires. So think about it. Number three. Discipleship requires that you must be ready to lose everyone else, including yourself, in order to follow Christ. Discipleship requires that you must be ready to lose everyone else, including yourself, in order to follow Christ. Once again, we are looking at Luke 14, 26, but this time from the message, which is one of the modern translations of the Bible. The message. It says, anyone who comes to me, but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, Sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. So discipleship requires that you must be ready to lose everyone else. You must be ready to let everyone else go. 
Now that is very difficult, isn't it? That is very difficult. And it is one of the reasons why it's difficult for some people to become Christians and for that matter, disciples. They know that they have to let certain people go. But it's not easy. It's not easy to let that boyfriend go. Although you know deep inside of you that if you keep him, you cannot follow Jesus. Sometimes you want to carry him along, but at the end of your force. There are some people, some sisters who do know that this person that I'm in a relationship with, he is not a believer. He is not a Christian. But they don't want to let go. So they'll tell him, do you like me? He says, yes, I like you. Say says, follow me to church. During the service, after the pastor finishes preaching, he'll do something called altar call. He'll ask everybody to close their eyes. And if you want to give your life to, Christ, uh, uh, to Jesus, you must lift your hand says when he starts saying that don't just lift one hand lift both and then you will ask you to come forward then you must go forward he will lead you in a prayer you pray that prayer if you like me do this for me because once you do that they would accept you and they will say that you are part of us tricks And these things are done because you don't want to let go. You don't want to lose anything. You don't want to lose anyone. And look, if even your father or your mother is trying to prevent you from following Jesus, and living for him. Jesus has made it clear. That the cost of discipleship. Requires. That you must let them go. If you can't let go. Then you cannot be a disciple. And you cannot be a Christian. I'm saying to you again. Let us not separate being a Christian from being a disciple. You cannot and you shouldn't. It's one and the same thing. It is because of that erroneous impression. That's why we have psychedelic crefe. <laughs> psychedelic. It's like it's crefe with style. What Jesus is calling us to, there's no style. It is raw. Yeah, that's what he's calling us to. It's very, very raw. And, and you, can't, you, can't, you, you can't reduce or minimize what price you have to pay in order to be able to follow Jesus. And you must, if you really want to be a disciple, 
you must be ready and prepared to let go. That's what some Muslims have had to do. They can explain it further to you. You know, that in becoming a Christian, that is the price they had to pay. They had to let go of their father, of their mother, of their brothers, of their sisters. They had to let go. And I'm explaining to you what discipleship requires. And this is what God is requiring of all of us who claim to be the followers of Jesus. So then the question we must ask ourselves is who do we have to let go of in order to be able to follow Jesus properly? You may, when it comes to a critical point, you may even have to let go of your husband or of your wife. If he or she is the reason why you can't follow Jesus properly. The same God who hates divorce is the one who is also saying this to us. And sometimes that is what you have to do. And Jesus has not minced his words at all. That if you cannot refuse to let go of certain people in your life. And then he says even your own self. Because sometimes it is yourself that is preventing you from following Jesus. Where yourself has to do with your dreams, your aspirations, your life, what makes you happy, what makes you comfortable, what you would like to have. Sometimes you have to let go of yourself in order to be able to follow Jesus. And you see, in sharing with you about discipleship, I am trying to let all of us understand that the Christian experience is a very, very serious one. And there is a price that you have to pay. Yes, we, we have garnished it so nicely that a wrong impression has been created. All your troubles will end once you become a Christian. Those who don't like you will like you. Everything will work out well. Your boss will pay you well. He will never sack you from the job. Things will be very nice. You will marry. You will have a child. You will drive a nice car. You go on holidays at Qatar to go and watch the World Cup. That's cute. That's very, very cute. Now, these things may come, but they may also not come. That's the reality. I wish I can tell you that when, be, when you become a believer, all your prayers will be answered. 
I wish I can tell you that. There are a lot of prayers that I've prayed that have not been answered. And sometimes we like to say that God answers all prayers. In a certain sense, it is true. But in another sense also, it is not true. There are times when he doesn't mind us. <laughs> yeah. It's not every prayer that is answered. This week alone, I have received news that have made me see that God hasn't answered certain prayers that I prayed. Alright? And when I talk about God answering those prayers, it's like what you asked him for. He did it for you. When I talk about prayers being answered, that's what I'm talking about. Where you ask God for something and he does it for you. Or you ask God for something and he doesn't do it for you. prayed for somebody's brother to be healed of cancer and you've even helped me to pray about it but he died God didn't answer my prayer and there have been instances like that there are people I've prayed for they got well God healed them praise God there are others also I prayed for and we prayed for not I'm not the only one you also prayed they didn't make it. You know that there's this lady, Docas, that we were praying for <clears throat> who had the surgery. She died. She died yesterday. I'm just trying to explain something to you. That look, the Christian experience, it is the best life you can ever live. But that is not to say that there are no difficult times, challenging times, times of pain, times of loss, Times of sorrow. Times when you cry. Times when you are confused. Times that you have to make sacrifices. It is part of it. It is part of it. So it is not a cheap experience. As we've often made it to look. And sometimes you have to let go. Of certain people in your life in order to be able to follow Jesus. <laughs> Let's finish. Two more. Discipleship requires that you must carry your own cross and follow Christ. Discipleship requires that you must carry your own cross and follow Christ. Verse 27 of Luke 14. New Living Translation. It says, And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. 
So it is a requirement that you must be carrying a cross. What does it mean? It means that every disciple must be carrying a cross. It is the sign that you are a disciple. Every disciple, every Christian, every child of God must be carrying a cross, your own cross. It is a sign or it is the sign that you are actually a disciple. So for me to identify you as a disciple, I must see your cross. Where is your cross? You say you are a disciple, you are a follower of Jesus, you are a believer, you are a Christian, you are a child of God. I'm asking, where is your cross? Where is your cross? Because it is only when I see your cross that I can know that you are actually a disciple. So the first thing you should note is that every disciple must be carrying a cross. It is a sign that you are a disciple. The second thing, your cross as a disciple may be different from mine. We all don't carry the same cross. Get that well. Your cross as a disciple may be different from mine. We all don't carry the same cross. And this is important to recognize. Definitely every one of us is expected to carry a cross. But your cross may be different from mine. My cross may be different from what you are carrying. So for some, the cross that they have to carry is a very heavy one. For others, it may not be so heavy. It is not everybody who will come to a point of having to let go of your father and of your mother in order to follow Jesus. For some, that situation will not come your way. But yours may be that you may have to let go of your job. Or you may have to let go of a friend. It is not everybody who will actually get to a point where you have to lay your life down in order to follow Jesus. Like what happened to the early believers. Where they were given an option. Renounce Jesus and live. Stand for him and die. You and I may not be confronted with that situation. And I wonder what we would do if we were to meet that situation. I wonder. I wonder. It's a very serious thing. So maybe that's why the Bible says that he will not suffer us to be tempted more than we can bear. But I'm just explaining to you that every 
believer, every disciple must carry a cross. But the crosses are not the same. And don't start complaining. I am not the one <laughs> who, who arranged things. I can't explain to you why some people's crosses are heavier than others. I don't have answers to all of those things. So don't ask me. All I know is that the crosses are different. But definitely you must carry a cross. The next thing, the cross is a symbol of the price you've had to pay to follow Christ. That's what the cross represents. It's the price you've had to pay to follow Christ. The cross is a symbol of the price you've had to pay to follow Christ. It is an emblem of suffering and shame. That's the price you had to pay. That's what your cross is. So when I talk about your cross, it's not what I'm wearing. What I'm wearing is a jewelry. It's a decoration. Okay? So I can't, I, I, I can't tell you that, oh, I'm carrying a cross. Because I'm wearing a cross around my, 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 my neck. What I'm talking about is a very serious cross. And it's a symbol of the price you've had to pay in order to be a follower of Jesus. And everybody has to pay some price. It's just that, as I've explained to you, for some, the price may be extreme. For others, it may not be so extreme. But everybody has to pay the price. You know, one day Jesus was talking to Peter. And he was telling him what was going to happen to him when he's older. And what he's going to have to go through and everything. And then, after Jesus spoke to Peter about it, Peter saw, pointed to John. And asked that, <laughs> what about him? You know? Because from what Jesus said to him, he got a glimpse of what he would have to go through and suffer for the cause of Christ. And so he was interested to know, is it just me? What about John? What about the others? And Jesus explained to him that if I, if I determine that he should live, you know, for long, of what business is it of yours? So in all of these things, there's a certain sovereignty of God at work. And as for that thing, you have to really accept it. That God's ways for all of us are not the same. Now, you may say that, oh, is it not, it's not fair and all of that. There are some things that I don't have answers to, so there's no point asking me. And I'm not one of the pastors who will pretend to you that I have answers to every question on the face of the earth. I don't have answers to all the, every question on the face of the earth. All I know is that the crosses are different. For some, the price they have to pay is a lot. some of the early disciples who were beheaded some were crucified upside down and somebody like the apostle John they tried to kill him the guy won't die they put him in burning oil the guy won't die so finally they banished him to some island be called Patmos it was on this island that he got the, re the, the revelation 
what we have written in the book of Revelation. And it's the book of Revelation. It's not the book of Revelations. It is the book of Revelation. It was one whole long revelation that it's, we who have divided. But if you go check, you see that it's called the book of Revelation, not the book of Revelations. That's when he had it. So he, it is believed, he died like a natural death. Very old guy. But it was not so with some of the others. There were some who were burnt alive. Somebody like James, he was beheaded. And the people were happy when, when, when Herod did that. And they arrested Peter. He was next in line. But God had arranged something else for him. What I'm explaining to you is that you have a price to pay. And the cross is the symbol of the price you have to pay to follow Jesus. Then the, last, the disciple must make sure. That's the last thing you should write under this point of carrying your own cross. You must make sure that you are carrying your cross and you are following Christ Jesus and none other. You must make sure that you are carrying your cross and you are following Jesus Christ and none other. The one that we are supposed to be following is Jesus Christ. So be very, very careful that as you are living the Christian life and as you are walking the Christian walk, ask yourself, yes, you may be carrying a cross, but who are you following with your cross? Who are you following? Are you following your pastor? Are you following your, your prophet? Are you following your man of God, your woman of God? The only condition for following them must be that they are following Christ. If they are following Christ, then you are safe. If they are not following Christ, my friend, move away from that line of people following him or her. And go and look for your Christ and follow him. That's why Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's why we mustn't follow blindly. That's why we mustn't allow ourselves to be drawn into doing stupid things. That's why every child of God, every believer, every disciple must ask yourself that this thing that I'm being asked to do, is it in line with the teachings of Christ? Is this what Christ says we should do? Is this what Christ has asked us to do? What does his word say? What has he said in his word? Not that because your, your man of God or your prophet says you should do something, you are doing it and you think that that is all there is to it. That's not all there is to it. You got to think deeply. You got to think deeply. Because the one who gave his life for you is Jesus Christ. And in saying that you, you, you want to be a disciple of him, He's expecting you to follow him. Him. And that's why you must respect your pastors. You must believe in them. You must stand with them. And all of those interesting terminology. But in doing all of that, ask yourself, is Jesus ahead? That's why he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So you always have to make sure that as you're following your pastor, as you're following your church, as you're following your disciple, uh, uh, your, your, your denomination, 
ask yourself, is Jesus Christ on that path? Is he on that path? Or he's on another path and you have taken another, another path? We got to be very careful. And that's why you must know Jesus for yourself. Discipleship requires that. You must know him for yourself. You should be able to recognize that this thing that he's saying, I cannot, I cannot follow it. It doesn't line up with the Holy Scriptures. But how can you say that if you are not into the Holy Scriptures? How can you say that? So you must make sure you are carrying your cross as a disciple and make sure that the one you are following is Jesus Christ himself. And the last one, discipleship requires a readiness to give up everything to follow Christ. Luke 14, 33. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. You cannot be a disciple if you don't have a readiness to give up everything to follow Christ Jesus. Now, he may not ask you to do so. But you must be prepared that if he asks, you will do it. This is what happened with Abraham when he was called upon to sacrifice Isaac. He actually went out with the intention of going to sacrifice that child of promise. But God stayed his hand in the last minute. So he didn't have to do that. So God may not ask you to do certain things. But if he were to ask discipleship requires that you be ready to give up everything to follow Jesus Christ. And so, family, this is all that time will permit us. I'm actually done with it. I think I've said enough. And I've spent these three weeks teaching you about discipleship. Now, the question that this raises is a very critical question that each and every one of us must ask ourselves in all sincerity and honesty. Am I a disciple? Am I paying the price that has to be paid to follow Jesus? Am I carrying a cross? Am I ready to make the sacrifices that need to be made in order to follow Jesus? Now you may say yes. But I believe that for all of us, there are still things that God is still demanding of us. And we shouldn't feel so sure and so secure in ourselves. 
But God through this teaching is calling us to measure the level of our commitment to Jesus Christ to be his disciple. Where exactly are we? So judge yourself, rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. Where are you? In your quest to be a disciple. I mean, how can you say you're a disciple when it's a struggle even for you to come to church? How can you say you're a disciple when it's difficult for you to travel a certain distance to come to church? How can you say you're a disciple? How can you say you're a disciple when your Christianity is just Sundays? How can you say you're a disciple? How can you say you're a disciple if you are always in a hurry to, to leave church, leave the presence of God, leave the house of God? How can you say you're a disciple when you are not actively involved in the service of Christ? How can you say you're a disciple when it's a struggle for you to pump your money and to, and, and to pay your tithe? How can you say you are a disciple when you are not involved in anything in the church? How? How can you say you're a disciple? You are not. Let's be sincere. Let's be sincere. How can you say you're a disciple when you don't use your gifts and your talents and the abilities God has placed inside of you to, to advance the kingdom of God? How can you say you're a disciple? How can you say you're a disciple when we have to struggle and wind you up before you get involved in anything? How can you say you're a disciple? But thank God that he hasn't given up on us. And I want each and every one of us to rise up and determine through the help of the spirit of God to become more and more and more of the disciple that Jesus Christ has called us to become. And I want Shepherd's Fold Restoration family to be a church that is full of proper disciples committed and devoted to Jesus Christ. Not to me. Not to me. Of course, in a certain sense, you must be committed to me. But what will happen is that if you are very committed to Jesus Christ, you will even know whether to be committed to me or not. And he is the objective. He is the one you must keep your eyes on. He is the one you must keep your eyes on. Get to a point where when you come to church and I'm preaching something and it is not in line with what Jesus has taught, you should reject it. Throw it away. Put it in the baller. That's what I'm saying to you. You must know Christ for yourself. And our churches are filled with so-called believers and Christians who don't know thing. So they are always being controlled and manipulated and exploited and intimidated. I call it mice. Manipulation intimidated, controlled, exploited. That's what we have in our churches today. So there is mice in the church. There is mice in, in the church. 
And all these things are happening because people are not rising up to become disciples. But I believe that God is working on us in this time and in this season. And when we become disciples, this church will be catapulted to another level. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. And we'll be committed to Jesus. What he has said is commandments, winning the laws, bringing people, following them up, establishing them in the house of God. May God help us all. Rise up to your feet and let us close. I've taken more of your time than usual. But it's worth it. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we are sorry. We are sorry. For turning this charge to follow Jesus Christ into something that it is not. We admit our guilt before you. Please forgive us. Forgive us for reducing the call of God in, into something else. One big party. Of just being happy and celebrating and rejoicing all over the place. Forgive us. We recognize that we have not been everything that you want us to be. And we admit our need for you because without you, we cannot do it. We cannot make it. And I pray that you stir up in each and every one of us that desire and that passion to actually be the disciples of Jesus Christ and to fulfill all the requirements of discipleship through the help of your spirit who is at work in us. And I pray that in this time and in this season, you will raise up disciples in this church. That everyone who becomes a part of this church family will be a real disciple, carrying our crosses, ready to pay whatever price needs to be paid in order to follow Jesus Christ. And whenever we miss it, please forgive us and put us back on our feet. May our love for you be more intense than our love for anybody else and for anything else. We thank you for what you have done in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a hand clap. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.